We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So I have a different word this morning. It's not as polished as I had last night. I had last night. But I have a word for you this morning. And um, so you'll, you'll tolerate me while it's not as polished as it should be while we hear what God has to say. Can we do that this morning? I'm going to read several verses. If you've got a Bible, stand with me for just a moment. I'm going to go to uh, John's Gospel. I'm going to go to the 21st chapter towards the end. I'm going to jump down there, and uh, I'm going to preach a few verses, and I'm just going to jump all over the book because I like the whole thing. Um, but in, in the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John, John was that radical kid that laid his head on the chest of the Lord. John was the, the only disciple that stayed at the foot of the cross. John was the one that recognized that's the Lord. John was the one that had the crazy vision that fills the back of the book called Revelation. He was the radical charismatic, the Pentecostal that nobody wanted to be around because he was in so love with the Lord. Called himself the beloved. Outran the apostle Peter. And so he gives us this version here of Peter. And Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going with you too. And they went out immediately and got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Say nothing. nothing. You ever, are you tired of nothing? How many of you just tired of working all night? And Say nothing. They caught nothing. Say nothing. They went fishing and got Say nothing. You know nothing is nothing. You know, when you got nothing, you know you got nothing because you get. I'm going fishing. I quit. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, and yet the disciples did not know that was Jesus. I, I'm always amazed at this. They had followed him for three and a half years. I mean, how far can it be? I've been to Galilee. You can see all the way over it. It's about that big. I mean, they would have fished about 50 feet from the shore. I don't know who that is. Do you know who that is? They're blind. It's amazing how people can be in the presence of God and not know it. He can be walking right beside them to Emmaus and them not know it. They can see him in the garden now, think he's a gardener. Lay their head down, see heaven and earth open and not know it. You can be in the presence and the spirit of God and not know it. I believe Christians today are living in the presence of the Almighty but they're so distracted because they're fishing. And then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? Did it work? I mean, I think the Lord shows up in our lives and goes, did it work? How'd that fishing thing? They said, nope. And he said, cast the night on the other side of the boat. This is the second time we hear him saying. The first time when he threw it on the other, they, the, the first time they kind of argued with him. We've fished all night, Lord. You're a preacher, we're fishermen. Nevertheless, to humor you, just so that you feel good about it, we'll throw our net. This is the second time that he said, throw it on the other side. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. The last time it says their nets began to break. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Peter heard that, he threw off his clothing, plunged into the sea. Verse 11, Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of fish. 153, there were so many, and the net was not broken. Father, I pray tonight, the day, that we will get out of the boats that we have run to. I pray today that when we walk out of this building, on this street, on this day, that we will leave forever that thing we've been going back to. 
I pray today that every draw that has separated us from you would be broken. I pray today that we would never again return to the boat that keeps us apart from the master that's called us to himself. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Touch your neighbor and say, that net will never break. Uh, touch your other neighbor and say, no, 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 that net. If the Lord tells you to throw that thing on the other side, he is not going to let you lose the catch. I mean, if he's the one that's empowered you to catch the thing, he's not going to let you lose it because the net was faulty. Touch your neighbor and say, this net, it go hold. I promise you that when God blesses you, you can't lose the blessing. When God comes into your world and does something in the midst of your world, when he comes in and adds his anointing in your life, nothing can stop you from being successful. Some of you need to get over the fact that you're afraid that the net, that the net is not going to break. This story is the third time Christ has gone to the disciples in a boat. The first time he called them. The second time, he blessed them in the catching of a fish. This time, he followed them as they quit the job. This time, they had had enough. The cross had been too traumatic. The death, the burial of Christ, the resurrection, all of it was just too much to take. They could not assimilate the process of the death and the resurrection. They didn't know what to do. Sometimes when God shows up on the road to Damascus, you just are blinded by the reality that there is something and someone at work in your life that supersedes the way you would have done it. It just doesn't make sense for God to do what he did. Listen, there's too many people that call themselves Christians that are trying to rationalize this whole thing. And you cannot rationalize the death of God. You cannot rationalize how he refused to stay dead. And so I'm going fishing. You know how many people I know that when they cannot understand what God is doing in their life, they distract themselves by playing solitaire. When you can't figure out what it is that God is doing in your world because it's too confusing, it's too pressuresome, you can't see the final step. All you can see is right here, and it doesn't make any sense. And you just get so distraught and so depressed, and the, the, the post-traumatic stress of what God's doing is just too much to take, and so you just go fishing. In the midst of a world that's unstable, you try to find normality again. When, when things are out of control and you're under that kind of pressure, you just want. And so they went out and it didn't work. Nothing, nothing happens when you try to accomplish something on your own. Nothing happens when you try to make something normal out of something that's not normal. Because can I tell you something? The death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ is a new normal. Everything changes when you come to Christ. Any way you've ever lived your life, you can never go back to that way because this is a completely another way of living. I'm tired of people trying to rationalize me about, well, this makes sense. Listen, God's never made sense in my life, ever. About the time I think, oh, I have a pattern, he spits. It's crazy. About the time I got this figured out, he does it differently. About the time I've got it strategically organized so that I can put it into place he frustrates me. It didn't work. If I had to title this message, I would title it Last Call. You ever been any place, Last Call? It's the last chance you got. We're going to fill her up on. This last night, this is the last moment. If you miss this moment, I told you to stay in Jerusalem and you disobeyed me again. I told you not to come out here. I told you to stay in the room. Have you ever had a kid? I told you to sit right. Have you ever told your kid? I told you don't move. I get tickled watching Heather. She, her face goes. Sean doesn't have time for his face to contort. He just raises his voice. It's, oh. but, but don't say don't. Don't go fishing. Don't move. Don't go back. Don't turn left. Don't turn right. Stay focused. Sit still. You do have to understand that in order to get the reality that Christ came to give us, you have to stand still. You have to pay attention. 
You have to stay put. You can't go back. There's something about to happen. I told you it's to your advantage if I go away, because if I go away, I have something better for you. I've told you all I can tell you. You can't take any more from me. But there's another one that's coming, and when he comes, he's going to continue the conversation that I've started, and he's going to reveal the will of the Father to you. You stay here because power is coming. Don't go efficient. There's too many people going fishing for stuff on their own. They're Googling the internet trying to find some secret reality that is hidden within the internet. And can I tell you, you'll never find God Googling stuff on your own. Stay put. Stay where he told you to stay. There isn't another girl better than the one you got. There isn't another guy that's better than the one you got. You need to quit. Boy. Just pretend it's Pentecost and I've lost my mind. Okay? Just look at your neighbor and say, he's been drinking. <laughs> he, he, come back next week. One of the sober kids will teach. <laughs> Holy Jesus, I love you, man. I tell you, I cannot figure out how people can stay normal. Whew. I mean, when trauma happens... We, we reach for what we understand. We, we go back to what used to console us. We return to what we think would help us. We try to find stability. We go on binges. And, and then most of us are embarrassed by the emotional problems that become obvious to everybody around us. Right? I'm embarrassed when I lose my mind. I flip out. I, I swing the sword. I, I miss and I get his ear and the Lord heals it. And I'm embarrassed. I often wonder, Pete, maybe you could have killed the one, but there were 30 others standing there. How far did you think you were going to get? Aren't you glad God has protected you when you've lost your mind? Aren't you glad when you thought you could protect the Lord that he kept the other 29 from killing you? You'll get it in a minute. Where is that at? Read the book. <sighs> I mean, when we're traumatized, we have a tendency to return to those things that used to hold us within their grip. The crucifixion is just too much to take. The death of my father was just too much to take. The abuse of my daughter was just too much to take. The death of a grandson was just too much to take. I know I was supposed to stay put and stay in prayer and keep reading and keep praising, but I just couldn't, so I went fishing. So before you get upset with Pete, understand that we've all been put in positions that was just too much to take. Every one of you have been put in positions where you just couldn't do what he told you to do. You knew you should do, but oh, wretched man of I, because the things I knew to do, I just couldn't seem to do. And I succumbed to the draw of fishing. Look at your neighbor and say, it smells. It's fishy. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. It was an attempt. I, I, I grew up with people going, well, I told you they'd backslide. You ever grown up in that group of people? Yeah. They, black, they backslid. And they used to know Jesus, but they backslid. Now, I grew up in a place where the back row was filled with people going, I bet they didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah, we'll just wait and see. You didn't grow up there, huh? I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Backsliding. Everybody wanted to focus on the backslidden issue rather than finding out what the trauma was. So you might understand the behavior of somebody if you understood the trauma that they had to endure. You might have gone fishing too if you had watched them beat him. You might have gone fishing as well if you had realized that you could be next. Before you start judging the going fishing, you might want to recognize what he had to go through. Frankly, going fishing is a natural response to the traumas of this world. Maybe we ought to stop judging people for backsliding if we don't want to understand the trauma. Somebody in here is feeling better about themselves right now. Somebody's going, Whew, man, 
Because, see, we all have our kryptonite. I got news for you. You may be Superman. You may be Superwoman. But I promise you, there is something that flips your trigger. Mm-mm-mm. I had it happen to me the other night. I hate to admit it, but there's stuff that I still... This thing is always in my road. I never know what to do with it. Somebody... My daddy was a carpenter, and every once in a while, he'd be building cabinets, and, and the, the nail, we didn't have plant guns then. We had hammers. And you, you drove the nail in the wood. You didn't, no, you, you did it. Never mind. And every once in a while, one of those nails would get down in that oak wood, and he couldn't get it out. And, and he had these punches that weren't punches. They were like big slivers of steel real smooth and he'd take that and he'd tap it and tap it and tap it and he'd push the nail out the other side and then when he did that he'd reach down a pair of pliers and pull that clear out now the nail was out and he could I said daddy what, what, what is up with that he goes only a nail will drive out a nail it takes something as equally hard to drive out something that's and he would drive that I know none of you even know what I'm talking about because we won't have real craftsmen anymore. We have operators of... I operate that stuff because I... See, Peter had a nail in his life. Peter had a habit in his life. And Peter's habit, his kryptonite, which is to go fishing. He just returned back to that thing that he knew and he'd pick up an old habit Many of you have had habits. And those habits you've been working to break, you've been trying. You ever seen anybody try to stop smoking? Listen, only a nail drives out a nail and only a habit will drive out a habit. You cannot break a habit without a stronger habit. You're going to have to have a stronger habit to drive out that habit. You can't by your willpower break the habits in your life. You have to have something equally as strong to push that habit out and push that. Am I making any sense? Peter had a habit. It was, he went back to it. Some of you need, need to stop. You've been trying to stop going back. But see, God doesn't want to just keep you from going back. He wants to drive that instinct that's in you out of your life so that you're never tempted to go back. He he wants to take that out of your life and replace it with something greater. See, if he can make man, he wants to remake you, Pete. He, He wants to remake you. He wants to form you again. Everything that's going on, you see, the cross purchased our salvation, but the cross also challenges the things in our lives that are not supposed to be there. The cross will forever redeem us, but the cross will also cause us to challenge those things that have kept us from becoming, oh, you're not listening to me. The cross challenged the nature of who Peter is. It challenged him. Pete was a tough choice. I wouldn't have chosen this loudmouth guy. I mean, from the beginning, we knew he was messed up. There had to be a rabbi in Jerusalem that had more sense than this guy. I mean, this guy is a hothead. He, he, you, you would have thought that God would have just picked somebody that had a better character to begin with. But see, your character is not why God chose you. In fact, in spite of your character, he chooses you so no one can take credit for the reshaping of your character but him. So some of you are staying home trying to get it all together before you come here. I'm going to tell you, once you get it together, we're going to blow it up. <laughs> About the time you've got yourself so such you'd mess up, you're going to meet the Spirit of God, and He's going to undress you in front of everybody, and you're going to be in a mess anyway. You might as well come bring all that crap with you. Oh, well. He said, what? I said, Crap. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm getting out of this boat. Just getting out of it. This is my last, this is my last tour on this cruise ship. This is my last float down the river. <laughs> Pete was that guy that always was getting revelations. You ever been around those people? They always got a revelation from God. 
They always got a revelation of God, but they're mindful of only themselves. See, I don't care how many revelations you've had, if that revelation doesn't lead to a renewal of your life, you will be tempted to go back to what you were before you ever got the revelation. And you'll probably be a few times worse than you were before you ever... I mean, you have to let the revelation renew your mind or the revelation was a waste of time. And Pete, I've been telling you I was the Christ for a very long time. The Father even sent his spirit and let you know who I am, but you still never renewed your mind. That's why there's people sitting in church today and every time I preach like this, they think, you're offending me. I know Jesus. I know, but Jesus doesn't know you. We're going to the Baptist church next, babe. <laughs> Same Jesus over there. <laughs> and I bet they're not near as funny. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, this time, you're going to get it. Pete, we've been showing this to you for years. This time, you're going to get it. This time, I'm going to drive that thing out of you. This time I'm going to take that propensity to return to that which harmful you. I'm going to take that out of you. It's taken me 50 years to understand what Grandma Jessie was saying when she said, when he hit me with the power of the Holy Ghost, my need for that was gone like that, Dwayne. Listen, I'm believing that if God could hit Grandma Jessie and take that out of Grandma Jessie, then Grandma can hit. Oh... Some of you have been told you got to struggle with addiction your whole life. No, you don't. God can hit you in one minute and you'll never. I know you don't visit anymore. I love your program. I think 12 steps is wonderful. I also know that you are one step away from complete deliverance today. You are one moment away from victory today. If God did it for Grandma Jesse and for Grandpa Riley, then bless God, he's the same God 2019. I'm going to get cards and letters, emails and tweets. <laughs> Used to, it took three days for the letter to get here. Now they tweet it, and they're on my phone before I can get out the church. <laughs> What's amazing to me is that you're even listening. I don't like anything you say, but I watch you every Sunday. <laughs> Woo! Man, I'm on full form. I am jacked. Touch your neighbor and say, you ought to be glad you came. You're going to go free this morning. If it's the last thing I do, you're going to go free. Yeah. Touch your other neighbor and say, you're going to get it today. Today, Pete, you're going to get it. I'm talking about Peter the Apostle, not Pete Cabrera. I, I, just thought I ought to. Listen, there'll be other people from his group that'll tweet, that, that'll tweet at me going, I knew you was talking about. They will. They're nuts. You're going to get it today. Don't you remember? I'll never leave you. I'll go with you. I'll follow you to death. Pete, you're going to screw up before the night's over. The rooster's going to start crowing in the morning, and you're going to have denied me three times. Man, all them promises you make to be better, do you understand you can't even keep that promise? I promise I'll be better, God, if you'll just answer my prayer. I promise you. You will not. You will miss church the second Sunday. You will not. I promise you, Jesus, if you just get me out of this financial debt, I'll tithe. You liar, liar, pants on fire. You will not. You're going to mess up. I promise you I won't mess up. You will mess up. I won't. Oh, you will. You will. Yeah, you will. But I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. Can I tell you that Jesus is not like the church? Now, the church is just waiting for you to mess up. Jesus is saying, when you mess up, I'll pray for you. When you mess up, I'm going to pray for you. When you are in the worst place you could be, I'm praying that your faith, say your faith, your faith, your feelings are going to stay messed up. Your feelings are going to stay in the toilet. Your feelings are going to go fishing. But I'm going to pray for your faith because if your faith stays strong, you can recover from the worst failures of your life. I feel like I ought to go fishing, but my faith says stay put. 
I feel like I oughta. Am I doing all right? Okay. Just checking. See, see, Satan wants to sift you. We don't look at that anymore. We don't go, the devil wants to sift you. What the heck does that mean? Sift means separate. Means to take you out of. Means to own you. Listen, the devil doesn't care about tempting you or embarrassing you. He wants to own you. He wants to own your mind. He wants to own your will. He wants to own your feelings. He wants to take over you. He wants to possess you. He wants to rule your life. He wants to dominate you. But I have prayed that what is standing in his way of owning you is faith. Faith will stand in the way and tell you, devil, back up. I'm going to heal that one. Faith will stand in the way and say, no, 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 no. Faith will stand in the way between your failures and his promise. Faith is the connection. Are you making? He said, I prayed for you. Touch your neighbor and say, he prayed for me. I know I'm a screw up, but he prayed for me. I know I failed. I know I've gone back. I know I've returned. But today, this is the last time. I've gone back over and over again. I've returned to that vomit. But today, somebody say today. Today. This is the last time I'm getting out of this boat. When I get out of this boat, I'm going to sink this sucker. I'm going to burn it down. Say last night. Last night. We're done. No more fishing. (laughs) Get your it's a trap. Do you know that? Every time you're tempted to go fishing, every time, every time you're tempted to go back, no one sets a mouse trap and doesn't put cheese on it. What kind of dummy does that? You ain't listening to me. The thing you want to go back, you, you're looking at the cheese. <laughs> you're staring at the cheese, neighbor. You're staring at the cheese, and the cheese is laying on a trigger. And when you hit that trigger with your nose, they know sticky traps in the kingdom of God. No, Nobody just leaves cheese laying around, you dumb mouse. If the cheese is any good, we wrap it up and put it in the refrigerator. We don't put it on the floor. If the cheese is laying on the floor and it's easy to get, it's a trap. Oh, pastor, I can go do this. Yeah, it's a trap. Oh, all we got to do is just buy this. No, it's a trap. If we just invent, it's a trap. Good God, if it's that easy, it's a trap. Man, am I wired this morning. You, uh, you think you can handle it, boy, but you cannot. I just slip back in the bar. I just have one. You dummy. It's a trap. Listen, I'm I just going to buy one of them things. It's a trap. I'm just going to charge. It's a trap. I'm going to look with... with you cannot handle it. You, you, you. The devil knows exactly what to use on you. He knows exactly what to tempt with you. Thank God Jesus is praying for you. Thank God he's protecting my faith. Thank you, Jesus. I may just have to stop. Thank you, Jesus, for never giving up on me. If I think about what the Lord has done, it makes me want to shout. Mm. Get out of that boat. Get out of that way of thinking. Get out of that way of being. Get out of that way of talking. Get out of that way of looking at the world around you. Get out of that stuff. You, you, you. Get it out of me. My youngest daughter had this yellow blankie. Never. It started green. It went yellow. <laughs> That's scary. Every time we try to take that blankie away from her. She'd lose her mind. 
You know how many people I, I watch? Jesus trying to, and they lose. Touch your other name and say, it ain't good for you, babe. It's just not good to you. you, you. Abraham had Lot. Mm-hmm. Moses had Aaron. David had Bathsheba. You'll get this in a minute. And Peter went fishing. You, you, need to, you need to get out of this. This smart aleck that... <laughs> we've been fishing all night. This smart aleck said, well, if it's really you, make me come. Don't you carry that we perish? This smart aleck that always thought he was smarter. Always go back to our intellect. Always go back to what Mima told us. Always go back to what that denomination told us. Always go back to what the culture around us says. Always go back to what we think is true. Always go back to my personal relationship. Always relying on me, myself, and I. As long as I talk about drugs, we're okay. But if I start talking about you. See, God's trying to replace the you in your life with somebody else. It's no longer I that live. But it's Christ. God's trying to drive the I out of your life and put the we in there. Christianity is all about replacing the I with the we, with the us. Listen, you don't want to miss this moment of the year of faith. We've been from the birth of Christ to the ministry of Christ to the lamenting of Lent to the death, the resurrection, and we're right on the edge of celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the grand finale. I know some of you stopped at the cross and thought, Easter's over and we ain't seen him since. But Easter has happened so that God could drive the eye out of our lives and fill us with himself. The coming of the Holy Spirit is the grand finale. You stay here, Pete, until the promise of the Father comes. And when the promise of the Father comes, you will have power. When the promise of the Father comes, I'll drive the you out of your life, and I'll replace it with the us, and then suddenly you'll be the man that I have called you to be. But it takes the power of my spirit. It takes the indwelling It takes the baptism. You call it whatever you want. But you have to relax, stay put, and allow him to drive you out of yourself and fill you with him. Have you kept up with me? Have I been silly enough? This is the last time I'm going back to me. This is the last time I'm going to lean back into what I think. This is the last time I'm going to try to help myself. This is the last time that I rely on my willpower. The next time you see Peter, he's going to stand up in front of 3,000 people. The next time you see Peter, he's going to be bold to proclaim that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. The next time you hear this man speak, it won't be him speaking. The next time you see this man, he'll be a different man. The next time you see him, he won't just be talking about the crucifixion. He'll be talking about this that you both see and hear is the power of the promise of the Spirit of God coming to live on the inside of whosoever has acknowledged that Jesus is Lord. This is the last time I'm going to go back to the boat and try to take care of myself. This is the last time I go back to the boat and try to anesthetize the trauma that I have lived. This is the last time I try to protect me from this moment on I'll go wherever he tells me to go say whatever he tells me to say from this moment on we won't know one another from a distance we won't follow from a distance from this moment on the next time you see Pete the God that he followed the God that he stayed at arm's length at will be on the inside of him wow Christianity is about what you know in your head. Christianity is about who lives in your heart. Who controls your emotions. 
who stays your fear. Don't miss the reality of the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's to your advantage that he lives on the inside of you. But he can't come to you if you stay in the boat. You've got to get out of the boat. You've got to stop relying on the boat. You gotta, you're catching nothing out there, Pete. It ain't working. It, it just looks like it's working. And it, you're wasting your time. Isn't it interesting that this time Pete doesn't really recognize him? But this 15-year-old boy called John, the only thing John knows is that he's loved. The only thing John ever tells us is God is love. Takes him three little books and this big book of Revelation that who can understand? But anyway, what John says is, I don't know much, Pete. You're chosen to lead the church, but there's somebody I know. Pete, I'll never lead the church. You're going to be the leader. But let me tell you, leader, every leader that's smart needs somebody who can say in the middle of the mess that you're in, let me tell you, the one that loves you is standing on the shore. Let me tell you, my whole life has been about pointing out the Christ that's standing 50 feet away, and he's come to find you in the mess that you're in, and he loves you, and he forgives you, and I don't understand all the theology, but I know the lover of my soul will follow me into my fishing and call me out of that boat. You need a John. Every time I hear people, they say, Oh, you've been preaching on love your whole life. That's all I know. That's it. I find different stories and anecdotes, but it comes down to the fact that the only way you're ever going to get out of that boat is if you recognize the love that's been chasing you your entire life. I know you'll follow me. I know you'll walk on water for me. I know you'll fight for me, Pete, but will you love me? That was the final question that the Lord had for this wonderful man that we call the Apostle Peter. This time, you'll never go back. It's your last night in the boat, Pete. I, I, I need you to go back to Jerusalem. I need you to get back in that room because I have made an appointment. I, ha I have set a date. It's going to be 50 days after my resurrection. It's going to be 10 days after I ascend. But when I go away, the Father's going to send a friend to you. He's going to send another to you. He's going to send. As long as I stay in this body, I can't be in you. But, but if I'll fly away. Listen, Pete, you get back over there. I have set an appointment. There's a time set. There's a place set before the foundation of the world where the breath of God will be released again into the earth. And it won't be into one man named Adam, but it'll be in whosoever repents and is baptized. They will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You get back to that birthing room. You want to talk about an intervention? This is an intervention. He'll show up on your doorstep on the shore and he'll say, time's up. You ain't doing this no more. You go back to that room until I tell you to come out. You go back to that room because I got a date and that date is set. The date of the cross was set. The time and the place of the death was set. The time and the place of the resurrection was set. And the time and the place of the power of the Holy Spirit was set. It's happened. The death happened. The resurrection happened. And the coming has happened. You listen to me, Pentecostals. You're waiting to hear a sound. There ain't no sound coming. It's already been. There's not another revival coming. It's already begun. It started on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Well, I'm just waiting for it. You're in a boat. You're stuck in your own place. The revival is happening. I ain't waiting for him to come again. He's inside of me this morning. I'm living in the reality of his coming. The other half of the church is waiting to go. Go. 
Man, you wouldn't have to worry about going if you'd already received the one that's come. I'm telling you. If you reduce my faith to something that's going to have to happen in the year after, I quit. My faith is not reduced to the hereafter. My faith is being released in the dirty now and now. Right now, today. Oh, somebody's still trying to figure out, what do you mean there's not another one coming? He's here. He's here. Well, I don't feel him. Neither did Pete. That's why he went fishing. Some of you need to strip it off. Some of you need to take it down. Yeah, some of you have been here when I did. Some of you need to take that thing off. You need to lose the garment that's acquainted with being a fisherman. Just as Bartimaeus took off the garment of being a beggar, Peter took off the garment that identified him as a fisherman. He took it off. You got to take off those clothes that identify you with what you used to be, what you used to do. You may have to stop wearing those. Oh, good God. You might want to turn that hat around. Not because wearing that hat backwards is wrong, but because it identifies you as being something. You didn't get it. You, 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 it's not that anything we wear is wrong. It's just that what it symbolizes to you is probably wrong. It, it identifies you as cool. The businessman wearing a $5,000 suit and a $300 tie needs to take it off. The lady wearing it up to here. She, Cover it. <laughs> but are you understanding? We have identified with the world to the degree that we can never be identified with heaven. We need to strip off what identifies us with the world and become identified as children of the Most High God. We need to take that off. He cannot clothe you with the power from on high. The power of the Holy Spirit is not going to come on people that are still wearing stuff that identify them with other stuff. Have I made the connection yet? I know it's funny, but it ain't funny. And you're going to have jump in the water. Oh, you're not even catching the metaphor yet. To repent means to take it off. And to be transparent. No wonder Peter said repent. Take it off. Be, be, get honest with yourself. Quit hiding behind it. And be baptized. Jump in the waters of the cleansing of God. Swim to shore and let him embrace you. Repent. Be baptized and the Holy Spirit will clothe you. Oh, come on. How did you get that power? I read the book and stopped listening to the idiots on Google. Amen. What commentary did you get out? You do understand you don't need a commentary if you got the one that made the comment. Woo. Oh, well, some of you are going, what? What am I trying to say to you this morning? Listen, don't, don't, don't miss the presence of God that has followed you to your boat. Don't miss the presence of God that will drive the nail and the habits out of your life. Take off the things that identify you with the world. Lay them down. Jump in the waters that will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Come within the embrace of the one that will fill you with his spirit. Listen, I pray in tongues. I believe you lay hands on the sick and they recover. I believe he gives wisdom and prophecy to all of you. But can I tell you what I am most humbled and honored about? And that is that the God that made me and that saved me would choose to live in me. I am so humbled every morning when I wake up that he whispers my name. Yeah, I could tell you about the signs and the wonders. I could tell you about that. 
But can I tell you about this one that got me out of the boat? Carried me back to the upper room. Said, stay right there. preaching from Advent to Pentecost so that you get the whole story. He was born. He lived miraculously. He lamented towards the cross. He died. He rose. And 50 days later, he moved into our lives. Don't miss this. That's our faith. It's taken me six months. And I'm not going on vacation in the summer. I'm going to take an ordinary life. You know, once the Holy Spirit comes on your life, you live extraordinarily. You're not the same man, Pete. You really want to change, then you open yourself up. Every believer, 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 listen to me. If you believe Jesus is Lord, he's on the inside. Would you just make room for him to come up? I think I heard last night. I hope I did. John 16, verse 7. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away because something better is coming. If I go away, the Father will send another helper to you. I love the passion translation. He said, if I go away, the friend will come. Maybe that's the message. The passion says, the divine encourager. come and be on the inside. He who called you a friend won't walk beside you. He'll be. Man, is there anybody here that just says, I want Jesus to come into my life. I, I just, I want what you're talking about, Pastor. I want him. It's so simple. All you got to do is say, yes. I'm going to get out of that boat and I'm going to all you got to do this morning. You say, you want me to say anything? Yes. Say yes. Just say yes. You've been saying yes to other crap. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Yes, I know you're the Lord Come into my life. Thank you. You've already forgiven me. Thank you. Are you here? I was tired on Wednesday very tired. I had to get on a plane. You see, when I'm not here preaching or taking care of you, I'm preaching and taking care of somebody, someone. I got on a plane on Wednesday. Came off the plane in Atlanta. I thought I was going to have to run, and they'd move my gate, and it was right there. So I went 31 to 32. They were calling Comfort Plus. I walked over, got in line, walked on the plane. Thank you, Jesus. And as I got online, I got right here, and there's these two ladies. And ladies, I don't want to offend you. It could have been men, too. But these happened to be. And they were coming from Richmond, Virginia. You ever heard him by from Richmond, Virginia? And they talk like that. It's like, it's the play. And I'm thinking, oh, thank you, Jesus. They won't sit by me. She sat in front of me, and she sat beside me. thinking 37 minute flight and as we take off she starts telling me I'm a graduate of Yale but I've never practiced law but I've taught law at Georgetown and I've saved the whales in China climbed Mount Everest and resuscitated all the people that died and I sit on this board and I give this money and my kids done this and my husband's in utilities I'm going what's that and now we're on our final, final, final approach. And I got that look on my face. And she says, so, what do you do? My first thought was nothing. You done it all. Ain't nothing left to do, you. 
Like my mother-in-law would say, if they did all that, it took nine lives. Thank God I didn't say that. And these words came out of my mouth. I said, oh, I'm just a friend. And, and, and her face changed. And it got quiet, because everybody else had been listening too. She said, what exactly does that mean? I said, well, tomorrow it means that I'm going to meet my friend at Vanderbilt University because he's expecting very bad news. And I just need to be here with him just to be his friend. Boom! She turned around and looked the other way. The whole place just got quiet. I walked off that plane and I realized my whole life of being filled with the Holy Spirit is nothing more than taking the friendship of God The talking in tongues, laying hands, all that other stuff really is nothing if you can't just befriend the people in your life. I can tell you something, unless you're filled with the Spirit of God, you'll never be a friend anyway. You'll try, but you never will. I need Spirit-filled people in my life because I need that friendship. This morning, you can walk out of here a different person. You just go be a friend of the world. You can be a friend of the lady at McDonald's. You can be a friend of somebody on planet. You can be a friend. I think a lot could be solved in our country right now. We'd just try to be friends. Why are you going to Rome? Because I have a friend. His name is Francis, and he's my friend. And I don't care what you think about him. He's my friend. I'm just going to go be his friend. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at TFH Hutch.